0: But we're going to go to Peter Walks on the Water today. And forgive me if I'm speaking in judgment. I'm actually trying to humble myself. But this today I want to talk about a reality of existence that I think every Christian needs to know about. And even non-believers need to know about this, whether they're capable of accepting it or not. And it really is the power of whatever you're focusing on in trust that the power it has over your life whatever we look to with trust there is and when we look to Jesus with trust anything's possible That's the big idea. So you're welcome. I'm trying to front load the message because I don't know if you noticed the lights were flickering a little bit in here. And so I might be pre- preaching sans electricity in a few minutes and all you folks in the back can come sit at the front and we can do it really like New Testament old school. Everyone sitting on the floor. I'll go get a robe on. Somebody will go to fish and some bread and it'll just be wonderful or terrible. One of those two options. Let's read the word of God together. Matthew 14, starting in 22. These are the very words of God. Immediately, he, meaning Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So they've just, I think they've just done the feeding of the 5,000, and they're by the Sea of Galilee, and he's sending his disciples across. And after he had had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Did anybody else get woken up last night? Okay, so imagine you weren't in a bed when you got woken up, but you were in a boat. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you a little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Father God, I humbly come to you, and I, I ask on behalf of everybody listening this morning that you would do the miracle of Scripture in our hearts. Father, that you would use words and do heaven. Father, I ask that you would empower us to become a people transfixed on Jesus Christ in the midst of everything so that we can walk by faith the way you have opened before us and made possible. Father God, you know I need this. And you know how each person needs this. And I pray by grace you would apply this word to each one of our hearts in the way most fitting. For your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We'll do it one more time for new folks too. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. We can walk through anything when our eyes are on the King and this works with a reality that whatever we're looking to is impacting us and whatever we look to with trust is having power over us and you can see how this worked here in this story now when we're reading this story it's good to remember that this entire scenario is Christ created he was the one who told them to go out into the boat is it really a stretch to believe that Jesus knew what the weather was going to be like that evening No. In fact, he rebuked people for, not being able, for being able to tell what the weather is, but not really being able to tell what God's kingdom was doing. He's like, you look at this this weather at night, and you can tell what it's going to be like. You look at this weather in the morning, you can tell. Like, Just basic having lived there, Jesus had a good guess, that this wasn't the best night to be out on the water, but he's also a prophet, and he's also the Son of God, and he also is God himself. And he sends them out in a boat. And then he takes his time. Anybody here ever felt like you were in trouble and Jesus was stuck in a prayer meeting? That's by design. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Don't don't shoot the messenger. At least in this case, it was by design. He told his disciples to get in the boat. He said, go before me. You do kind of wonder what the go before me meant when they're like, "You're so you're going to bring your own boat? Do you have your own boat? But he sent them before them into this situation and waited till the fourth watch of the night. As I understand that watches are a certain amount of time, I think this means that it's actually really late in the night or very early morning. So it's been a long time. I think it's three-hour increments in the night, but I could be wrong. Anyhow, Jesus shows up, and one of these very natural stories, I was talking about this last week, that the Bible feels very human to me. How would you feel if you're out in the boat in the middle of the night, you don't have a flashlight, you don't have a... I mean, we get spooked when your kids have put those little stick-on toys in the bathtub an evening bathtub, and then they fall down at two in the morning, right then, you don't know, do you grab the shotgun or do you hit them with some shakalakabugus, right? And that's just noises. There was a person standing outside the boat in the night. And for them to get terrified and to add a little bit of yellow water in with the rainwater seems completely (laughs) normal to me. It's a ghost. These are normal people. The only difference between them and us is we have more Bible. And we're on this side of Pentecost and of Jesus coming out of the grave. But they're normal people. And Jesus speaks to them, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And then, God bless Peter for all of his failures. We do get to learn a lot through him. He has this bizarre and wonderful response to seeing Jesus standing on the water in the middle of the night in a storm. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. There is something really great about having this kind of holy hunger and a holy desire to be where Jesus is and to be doing like Jesus does, even if it doesn't look like it's possible. There is something wonderful about Peter going, if you're there... I can get there to the Lord. Sit quietly for a second. There is something so good about Peter's desire. Jesus, if you're doing it, tell me to do it. And I'll obey. And Jesus says, come. Look at how generous Jesus is. With miracle. Jesus was the only person in human history who ever stood on water in a storm. And somebody else says, Me too? And he said, Two thumbs up. Look how generous Jesus is. With the impossible. And so he says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. It was working. And then here's where some of the greatest theology in life starts occurring in real time. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. So what, what changed everything here? The vision of trust that was breaking the laws of physics and overcoming the rules of surface tension and how objects of different density interact with each other on the planet Earth, where objects of greater density are supposed to penetrate downwards into into, uh, substances of lower density until they find some kind of equilibrium. And Usually human bodies are dead by then, if they get down that low. And then they bloat, and then they start to come back to the surface, gaze of trust turns into a gaze of doubt, the will of God starts breaking, and the power of God starts disappearing, and the kingdom of God starts evaporating, at least the experience of it. And if I just said something there that made you really upset theologically, like, just I wasn't trying to say what you're worried I was trying to say. But Peter was starting to sink. Now again, what verse is this? Verse 31. Do you want to know what Jesus is really like? He tells the guy who is the only person who's going to walk on water that I know of in all of human history who wasn't the third, per- second person of the Trinity, even though he made it a number of steps but then began to sink and needed to get re- rescued, He he doesn't doesn't give him an attaboy. Wouldn't you have wanted an attaboy? Wouldn't you have wanted at least like a C plus? Yeah, you were sinking at the end there, but you made it 20 steps. There's no coddling. There's no (laughs) semi-acknowledgement. There's actually like... A pretty sharp correction, a rebuke. Are are they in the boat by now? No, they're not even they're still standing on the water. Zoop standing on the water, not in Manitoba with the ten feet of ice underneath you in January. Standing on the water, Peter, you suck at this trusting thing. Is there a person in this room who wouldn't be offended? Wouldn't you? But, but, but I'm, I'm, we're on the water still. Yeah, but I didn't actually have to get you. This was a, a rescue you didn't need. if you just kept looking at me with eyes of trust. Behold your God. He's wonderful. Why don't we all just assume He has much higher expectations than anything we've done yet. That He thinks that we can do better than we've done yet. And He still loves us, but He is not satisfied. I think if we assumed that, we would know the Lord. Because they were still on the water. Gah! Then they get in the boat. And then they start to worship. And they have this, in, well, the storm stops, wonderful, they're all soaking wet. Which means you can worship when you're soaked. You can worship in the boat. We can worship no matter what's going on. And they confess that he's truly the son of God. How wonderful. Here's some points. Brothers and sisters, we are what our eyes eat. We've heard that saying before, you are what you eat. It's so true. Do you need to prove it? Just eat potato chips for a week. Has anybody done that when COVID hit? Did anybody do the, like, the COVID 10 pounds thing? Because <laughs> all you can watch is cooking shows, and then when you can't do the cooking, you need to go and buy some comfort food. <laughs> we are what we eat. It works for our body, and it works for our hearts, and it works with our eyes. Whatever we're looking to entrust, we're ingesting and becoming like and being fed with, whether it's Christ or something else. Psalm 115 says it like this. I'll start in verse 2. Why should the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the works of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. They, and they make, do not make a sound in their throat. And then in verse 8 it says this. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. Whatever we're trusting, we're becoming like. When Peter looked at Jesus with trust, he became like Jesus, a man who could stand on the waves. And when he looked away with doubt and was thinking, can I trust these waves, which you obviously can't, he became a sinker because he was putting his trust in unstable water. And he knew he couldn't trust it, but he's still looking at it, looking at the waves, looking at the water. I can't trust the weather. He was a Manitoban. I can't trust the weather. That thermostat's trying to kill me, true fact. But we are what our eyes eat. We become like what we're trusting. This is really big for us because there's so much stuff for us to look at these days. Amen? And most of it doesn't even want us to do well. I don't know if you've been hearing this lately, but apparently Instagram, okay, don't get nervous, is like one of the worst things that can happen to a teenage girl, mental health-wise. The AI and the algorithms are designed to addict them to things that ruin their self-perception and their confidence and their ability to feel socially normal. And they know that it does this, and they still have an army of psychologists hired to make sure their content is more and more addictive because they get paid by the click and paid by the swipe. And if we put our trust in this, we'll become as unstable as the next click and unstable as the next swipe. Always trying to, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And I'm not good enough. And the whole point of that whole Empire is not for our good, but for our bondage. Don't even get me started on TikTok, which is apparently just Chinese spyware. And I don't know if you've ever read Sun Tzu's The Art of War, but their whole military dogma is it's way better to destroy a country by getting people to destroy their own lives than to have to pay for an army to invade another nation. That's like the first page of their military book. It's called Nonlinear Warfare. Why would you ever want to have to fly soldiers to the West when you can convince Westerners to ruin their own lives with social media? And now that I've ruined all your lives and your days, what I'm trying to tell us is what we become like what we look at with trust. And we have a man that we can look at with trust and defy the norms and overcome anything. The rules don't apply when we're looking at Jesus with trust. The rules of God's kingdom apply but the rules of the world do not enslave sons and daughters of God when we fix our gaze on the risen Christ Jesus. So how can we do something practical about this? Number one, Number one, which is actually number two. You know, I'm such a generous guy. I tell you all my points up front. There are some people, like, it's very interesting being a public speaker at a church where you actually know people, because everybody responds different to everything you do. Any change I make in how I do this stuff, there's people who are like, this is so helpful, and other people are like, you ruined it for me. So, trying to love everybody my best. There are slides, so you can follow along, but I'm not trying to keep you in this sense of suspense, like you don't know where we're going. It's right up there. Number one, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus in Scripture. Wherever we're at, I can almost guarantee you there's a story about Jesus where you can say, I can be like Jesus in this story. Amen? And Jesus wanted us to think like this. When you pull out the post-it note, it means you just lost your Scripture reference. See, you're getting this, like, preaching education and everything. No charge. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant to be like his master. And if they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, the lord of the flies, how much more will they malign those of his household? What Jesus is saying there is it's our destiny as disciples to be made like the master. It's the mission of the teacher to make us like him. And sometimes that's going to mean we get treated just as bad as he got treated. But that's part of the process. There is no becoming just like Jesus without going through things that Jesus went like. But what we're supposed to go, go do in response to this is look at our Bible and be like, when I'm going through something, I can find a story where Jesus went through something similar. And by looking at him with faith and seeing what he did and seeing that he got through it, I can become like him and I can overcome with him. Do you ever feel like your whole world is falling down around you and God is not with you? Fix your eyes on the story of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And how he poured out his soul to his father, even saying, I don't really want to do this. And God strengthened him, even sending an angel. And he did all of God's will, even overcoming everything, and came out resurrected on the other side. And you will too, as you fix your eyes on Jesus with trust. Are you facing a provision challenge? Read the story of the feeding of the 5,000. What did Jesus do when all of his friends were telling them they're broke? And they have a massive family gathering to go to. Did he panic? Did he attack? Or did he say, let's trust my father and use what we've got and expect him to do what we can't do? Now, we've got four Gospels of stories about Jesus where we can say, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus who went through everything for my sake so that he can get me through anything as I trust in him. We can walk through anything if our eyes are fixed on the king. Number two, we can fix our eyes on those who look to Jesus in the scripture. This is a little bit different. The first one is, I can imitate Christ as I fix my eyes on him. The second one was, I can relate with Christ as I see how he treated other people. Anybody here feel ugly and rejected? Or like you don't fit in? Or like Christians are judging you? Like you live in Steinbeck. I know you feel like that sometimes. (laughs) Okay, I've been doing this eleven years. I know Steinbeck Christians all are worried that other Christians are judging them all the time. In Matthew chapter eight, we read. When he came down from the mountain, this is after the Sermon on the Mount, great crowds followed Jesus. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go so that here's the anti-evangelism Talk. See that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded you for a proof to them. Lepers in Israel were literally the people most rejectable by God's people. They looked grossed and they were told to go somewhere else and don't show up so you don't make other people unclean. They're the most rejectable, diseased people. And when they came to Jesus, when he came to Jesus and said, Can you heal me? Jesus didn't just heal him like from a distance, like he had done many other times. Like with the centurion servant, where he didn't even he was upset that they even made him go. And the centurion's like, He, he doesn't need to come, he can heal from miles away. True. Jesus reached out his hand and touches him, breaking the command of Moses not to touch these guys, reversing the cleanliness rules of the Old Testament law that said if you touch something unclean, you become unclean. Instead, he touched someone unclean and made them clean and gave a story for everybody who feels unlovely in God's sight that if you say, Can you touch me, Jesus? Jesus says, I want to do this and he will. Behold the graciousness of Jesus Christ for each one of us who are worried about what other people are thinking about us. We know that if we come to Jesus, He'll embrace us. Behold Him. This is the real Jesus. This is the real Jesus. This is the real Jesus. And as we fix our eyes on him, we will find ourselves cleansed and able to do what we couldn't do and go where we couldn't go and be who we couldn't be when we were in the grip of the other stuff. Number three, which is your number four, and I really regret doing this numbering system. Fix your eyes on brothers and sisters who have found Jesus there is somebody you know who's been through what you're going through and has found Christ in it. And as we find these people and see what God has done in their lives, we behold the work of Christ. And it builds our faith. And we can say, I, did, I can do that too. Amen? Amen? Now, this is a little tweak because I don't know if, I don't think this guy knows Jesus, but there's this individual in the States, his name's John Hudson. Has anybody ever heard of this like special books for special kids? YouTube channel thing before? Whatever. I don't see any hands. You need a family member with a disability and then you'll know all about all this stuff. Anyhow, there is this guy, he's 20 years old and his entire life he's been missing collagen in his skin and body parts, which means that collagen is the thing that holds your skin to your lower, your upper levels to the lower levels of your skin. So any sudden movement can cause his skin layers to separate. So any sudden movement is an injury. And he's just covered in sores. And they interview him about his life. He just lies in bed all day, hoping he doesn't get an infection, which any infection can kill him. And he's more hopeful. (laughs) He's learned the journey of contentment. More than most of us. praying for that guy so hard. It's hard not to see somebody doing really well in a hard situation without me going, me too, Jesus. Teach me how to be content. Teach me how to be grateful for the little things. We can fix our eyes on brothers and sisters who have found Jesus in their situation and we can see what's possible with Christ. Amen? So, the reason I'm up here this morning is because I have a lot of faith for you. To respond so well in your life. Especially to the last few years. All the storms we've been through. I have so much hope for you. To find Jesus in a miraculous way. I have so much hope for you. To believe that you can do things with Jesus you couldn't imagine as long as you see him a little bit better every day. I have so much hope for us to be the most forgiving city on the planet. I have so much hope for us to be the most free brothers and sisters city on the planet. I have so much hope for us to not be living in fear as we fix our eyes on Jesus, knowing that we can stand on water in a storm if we just don't look away. I have so much hope for us to be healed of stuff we never even knew we had to get healed from, to be set free from stuff we never thought anyone could get set free from. I have so much hope for you. I know we talk about it. I hope it doesn't get awkward. I'm so grateful for you, new folks. You don't have to stay here. I love you already. I have so much hope for you. And I love you already. And the best thing I can imagine for you is to point you to a man that if you just keep looking at him, the impossible becomes the expected. Every day. If we just keep finding stories in the Bible which give us a something to believe Jesus for the impossible is is easy i l- i really love you and i'm still a man so i'll sin and blow it and don't look at me all i have to offer you is arms <laughs> but you have a Jesus who knows exactly what he sent you into in the last five or ten years and knows that if you'll look at him, you can dwell with him no matter where you are. And me too. Let's pray. Father God, all things are possible for those who believe. What a gift that you make it by faith. Church, can you believe? where you've had your eyes drift to the wind and the waves and the whatevers? Can you turn the back to Christ? Can you change your mindset from walking in faith being something that the special people do to being what you can do all the time? And me too? Oh, Father God, would you do it? What a great setup for the kingdom of God is this post-COVID church in Steinbeck. Everything we need for amazing glory is right before us. It's wearing your pants. So God, I pray for greater faith. I pray, Lord, where your word says that we already dwell with Christ in heavenly places, we would get it. I pray, Lord, where your word says that we're already on the other side into the resurrection by faith in Christ, living these new lives in the complete forgiveness of God. We would get it. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for my beloved brothers and sisters here that you would fill my heart with overflowing love to see how they really are and how you see them, God, with hope, hope, hope. Your past is not your future, beloved child of God. If you'll fix your gaze upon him, you will see you can be strong. There are no words of men that own you. You're as free as you want. If you will fix your eyes upon him, you will find that you are strong. You will see you're a child of God.